guys, welcome to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams, and today I am joined by my Instagram friend, Celeste Yvonne. Celeste is a writer and speaker who speaks and writes about sober mom living. So welcome, Celeste. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Abby. I'm so glad to be here. So tell me a little little bit about your story, Celeste. Yeah, so I am a mom of two young boys, age three and five. I live in Reno, Nevada. Um, I'm a marketing uh, professional, and um, I've been a writer for um, about, oh, maybe three or four years now. Um, And I, um, what, what can I say? I have, so my most recent story or the one that has been gaining the most amount of attention lately is um, almost a year ago, I went public with the fact that I quit drinking um, a year prior. So it'll be two years come December that I have been alcohol free. Yeah. So kind of tell me a little bit about that journey and what led you to make those changes. Yeah. So I was, um, I'd say I was a pretty heavy drinker leading up to that decision. Um, I never, nothing horrible happened. Um, I didn't have any health effects. I'm, I just turned 40 this year. So that gives you some, some light onto, I guess I was 38 when I quit. I think I was almost 38 when I quit. Um, I did not have any health issues from heavy drinking, um, Nobody told me I was drinking too much Um, and I didn't have a DUI or I wasn't arrested or anything like that. But I knew inside of me that um, it was getting to be too much. I was drinking almost almost a bottle of wine a night, Um, not every night. And, you know, I had these little rules around what would constitute um, not being considered an alcoholic versus an alcoholic. And I thought I was, you know, staying in those rules. Like don't drink before 5 PM. Don't drink um, heavily when you're watching the kids. Uh, Don't ever drink and drive. Like I had these self-regulated rules that I thought would keep me safe. But at the end of the day, after the kids went to bed, I would finish my bottle. Um, Sometimes I would break open another bottle. I was getting really uncomfortable with the level I was drinking. And in the morning, I would wake up feeling awful. So do you feel like for you, there was just kind of like this, I can't shut it off once I start? Like when you're talking about how much you're drinking, is it like, you know, oh, just one glass isn't, like I can't stop after one. You know, I could stop. And if somebody handed me a a glass and said, this is the only glass you get, drink it. I could do that. But I didn't want to. Right. Um, Honestly, even the idea now of somebody saying, well, if you if you could drink now, would you want to? No, because I never really wanted just one drink. If I couldn't have at least three, it seemed kind of like a waste of time. Right. Um, So for me. It was like, you know, they say one is too much and a million's not enough. Yeah. And that's That was true for me because I didn't ever just want one drink. And I think for the decision I had to come to grips with was if I, if only one or two is considered safe a night, which, you know, according to the AMA, you know, women aren't supposed to have more than five uh, drinks a week, I think, yeah. is what they suggest. 
Um, if that, if I cannot stay within those boundaries and enjoy myself, then I should have none at all. And so that's kind of the choice I had to make. And it wasn't something that I was like, okay, this is great. I'm going to make this choice. Like it was really a heart wrenching decision for me because I did have a love affair with my wine. I love drinking. Yeah. Uh, it was a valuable part of my life and my wind down um, ritual each night. Um, so it was really hard for me to come to grips with what life would look like without it. But I knew that waking up each morning with that headache and the hangover and then still trying to raise two little kids was not sustainable. Um, so I had to make this choice almost as much for my kids and my family as for my own sanity. Do you feel like you were waking up like that most mornings? Yes. And it was awful. I mean, you, you know how it feels when you're over. It's a train wreck. And I feel like as I was getting older, it just kept getting worse. Yeah. Which I think most people can probably identify with, um, you know, the hangover and then mom life is not fun for everybody. Um, so I guess kind of just like moving forward, you know, how do kind of moms identify where they fall, you know, when is this becoming a problem that I want to make these changes? And then, like you said, like, you know, this is kind of a loss of identity to who I am, my wind down ritual, you know, my lifestyle, you know, was it hard kind of coming to the people in your life, your friendships, you know, I'm sure like the, it's kind of this rippling effect. And how do I kind of go through that transition? Yeah, it's changed my life pretty much at every level. Yeah. Um, and I'd say 90% for the better, but 10%, you know, you do lose friendships that you right. realize were your drinking buddies. <laughs> yeah. The one thing you guys had in common was you liked to drink to excess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you liked getting sloshed together. And you realize um, you don't really have much in common with those folks and you do lose touch with them. Do you feel um, like those people stop calling? Oh, absolutely. But like, I, oh, I he's I not thought, going to the bar with us. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning, they, you know, they still reach out to you. Um, yeah. But when I was so vulnerable, I did not attend because I was trying to, you know, stay away from temptation. And then over time, as I've gotten more comfortable in this new identity, um, they just, um, they've stopped reaching out and um, I just don't see them as often in general. And I think for the most part, it's probably for the better. I don't right. know how much, I'm not sure what we would talk about. And if you've ever been sober talking to a drunk person, you know that. <laughs> Not the most. I've been pregnant for like, I don't know, three years, four years in a row. (laughs) And so, yeah, I feel like that where, you know, you're like the pregnant one going to weddings. Yeah. And you know all about it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When I first quit, um, I kept it completely secret. Like I did not tell anybody. And I, the only person I told was my mom and my husband. Yeah. They were just like, sure. Yeah. Do what you want to do. And um, I just, I just kind of kept it under the radar. Um, I didn't know, honestly, I wasn't quite sure why I was quitting and I was afraid someone was going to ask and I didn't know what my answer was yet. So it didn't seem like it was really anybody's business. Um, Do you feel like you're scared of like labels? 
Totally. I was so scared that I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm quitting drinking because I got really uncomfortable with how much I was drinking or maybe I'd label myself an alcoholic. And then in six months, I changed my mind. And then people would be like, wait a minute. I thought you were an alcoholic. You're an alcoholic. Why are you holding a beer? Like I was so afraid of digging myself into a hole that I was like, you know what, until I figure out who I am, um, it's nobody else's business. So for the first year, I really kind of kept it close um, to my chest. And even now, I still am really uncomfortable with the label alcoholic. Because I know, because I, I don't really know that like you identify with that. I know? don't like, know. Yeah. And I Googled it once. So, you know, I looked yeah. it up like, what even mean? And I'm like, well, I don't identify with that definition, but honestly, I don't feel the need to label myself at all. And some people need that. They need a label. They need to designate um, who they are. And I think that's amazing. And I fully support that, but we are all so different. And I think um, the way we are going to approach um, choosing to abstain from alcohol is probably going to be different too. Yeah. Because I feel like you would probably label more as like just a sober mom than. I tell people um, when people really need a label, I say, I, um, I have a toxic relationship with alcohol. Yeah. And I think that is sufficient for me. I know that for me, I will never just want one thing to say. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, I mean, it's completely honest and. um, Really? And I have other people, like I have some followers who are like, no, you are absolutely an alcoholic. I can tell based on the way you write. Right. And for them, they desperately need that label. And I'm like, if you want to call me an alcoholic, that is fine. I don't, that doesn't bother me, but I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't need that label. Yeah. So how do you kind of navigate, you know, now this world where you have this platform of sober mom living, um, you know, and I feel like the conversation is very much changing on social media right now where, you know, we kind of get caught up in these labels and it's us versus them kind of thing. You know, you've got the working moms versus the stay at home moms at times you've got, you know, pro-vaccines and not pro-vaccines, you know, and now we've got sober moms and moms that drink. Um, how do you kind of <laughs> like navigate this world? Of, I know. Versus them kind of stuff, you know, it's- where I've had, you know, followers on my page come after me that it's like, oh, your handle is mimosas with moms. I must mean you're a drunk mom who just like neglects your children. And it's these trolls that, you know, like you don't oh, know yeah. me. I'm like, oh, yeah. I just picked the name mimosas with moms because I thought it was catchy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't really drink mimosas all that really often. Yeah, don't but, analyze uh, it. <laughs> yeah, like, this is crazy. So, you know, I think that there's, a lot of this, you know, the judgment or, you know, you have people that do that and stir that kind of stuff up. Do you kind of encounter that over on your page? I do. Yeah. So much. Um, so I, when I went public about quitting alcohol um, last December, um, I had no idea that I was going to turn into like a sober mom advocate, but yeah. here I am now. I mean, just the response has been so, um, 
incredible that I just, I've been writing more and more about it. Whereas um, I did not realize when I kind of opened up about it, that it was going to be such a uh, regular topic, but kind of the demand has been there for me to talk about it more. So I've opened up about it more and more. Um, And I think you'll see kind of my evolution that um, at first I felt very vulnerable and my writing was very much like, this is my decision. Don't question me about it. Leave me to it. And then, and then you'll see um, more recently, it was kind of defensive. Like I think the wine mom culture is disgusting and it needs to change and it's triggering. And I feel like now I've kind of evolved to a, even a more different mindset where I'm like, let's just live and let live. Right. Um, I do think the mommy wine culture can be triggering. And for me, it was very much justification for triggering for like, are you saying for yourself and other sober moms and for maybe moms who are um, drinking too much, they feel justification in over drinking because they see, um, all the memes that are like, you know, thirsty, uh, or, you know, or if you're hungry, you might just be thirsty. You might just need a pitcher of margaritas for me. Yeah. That'd be like, Oh, margaritas sounds so good right now. Yeah. And, um, I don't, I think the problem isn't so much, um, people saying a glass of wine. Yeah. Speaking to a glass of wine is a great way to decompress what, for parenting. It's when you see the jokes that um, people are chugging out of the bottles and stuff that it's like, that seems a little bit over the top. Um, But when I do talk about it in my writing, I get so much pushback. Um, I get a lot of people who are like, it's just a joke. It's like, learn to laugh. Like I get, I I get called. I see those as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get called names. I get, I mean, people are just, People are brutal. And I try not they to really say are. it from, I try not to be like, listen, you're a bad person for um, engaging, for engaging in these, yeah. these mommy wine memes. But I do try to say, here's my perspective. Um, yeah. No, a mommy wine meme, meme is not the reason I started over drinking. But mm-hmm. when you are, when you see 10 of them in a row, um, on a Friday morning that you promised yourself you weren't going to drink, it's really hard for people who are vulnerable not to think, well, everybody's doing it, so it must be okay. And um, I do think that is a topic that, in general, I'm I'm kind of evolving with as um, I get more comfortable in my own yeah. sobriety. But I it was- like, that, like sharing that perspective, though, because, you know, as like somebody who's on the other end and not you know, living a sober mom life, you know, I scroll and I, I don't, don't even like think anything about it. You know what I mean? And I think probably the, some of these other people that are like, it's just a joke, you know, that we're just not in touch with the other side. I think and that's so. where I think that like your platform and like your storytelling is so powerful and why you're connecting with so many people is because they don't have that space. And I think that the conversation is slowly shifting, hopefully. <laughs> I'd like to think so until I get those comments. And then I I'm know. like, no, we're back in 2004. <laughs> but that's the other 
comment I generally make is, listen, these mommy wine memes, they're nothing new. Like they have been shared for probably the past 10 to 15 years at least. Um, Why is this still funny? Like, can't we find a new joke? (laughs) Yeah. It's been so overdone now. It's at eye roll level. I'm like, let's just, I mean, sure. I will laugh at your mommy wine joke, but 10 years ago, maybe like, can we move on? Yeah. Let's, let's find, let's find a more creative outlet. Not to mention, you know, we're smarter now. Like we know that drinking a bottle of wine to deal with our kids is, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's it's not, that's, that is not (laughs) self-care. Not healthy, probably. (laughs) Probably not. Probably numbing or I don't know, some other words that you could throw onto it. (laughs) Yeah. So let's, let's, Let's redirect, let's redirect this message into maybe something that might be a little more useful. And I guess it is just about raising awareness. Like um, what I told one person who was, you know, picking on me was, you know, if you are going to keep sharing this stuff or keep making this stuff or making comments that mommy needs wine, fine. But I would like to think that if a friend of yours, because one in eight Americans struggle with alcohol addiction. If a friend of yours came up to you and said, you know, every time you post one of those mommy, mommy needs a bottle of wine comments, it, it does trigger me a little bit. I would like to think that you would be open to your friend's opinion. And that's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we kind of get wrapped up in ourselves and not thinking that it's one in eight. That's yeah, a big one in eight a big amount. The other percentage that blows me away is in the past 10 to 15 years, the rise in women um, abusive drinking, like um, high risk drinking has grown yeah. 58%. Yeah. And that, I mean, that just is staggering to me. And I cannot think that this culture where like, we have- kind of infused alcohol into everything yeah doesn't have something to do with that yeah um i can't even go to a like um a pta meeting anymore without either wine being served or being raffled off or being joked about um as you know we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up early because i know everyone wants their wine you know like it's yeah it's a daily part of the conversation and um it's so is it so isolating kind of being on the outside of that conversation now at first it was really isolating but now I think I'm just so much more aware of it I think you don't notice it as much when you're kind of ingrained in it but when you start making a point of um noticing it you see it is everywhere right um and it's it's fascinating I mean it's no wonder that you know kids start binge drinking the second they get out of um, their parents' house. I mean, right. look at university binge drinking culture. We we idolize alcohol in this society. It's everywhere. We, we use it for everything. Um, and um, I think, and I think for some people, they can do that fine. They can moderate and they, they won't take it to abusive levels. But for others, that is a really dangerous place to be. I always find like these different things kind of in our culture that are, are that are so normalized, but then kind of the consequences of them 
are so criticized. You know what I mean? So like drinking is cool and fun and it's normal and we are all doing it. But then if you have a problem and you have to leave or, you know, if you get in trouble with it or whatever the consequences of those things are, then you're kind of scrutinized. You're looked down on. Um, there, the book I always recommend people read is called This yeah. Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And she yeah. talks about um, the effects of alcohol on a scientific level and the addictive tendencies and how alcohol is the only drug we have to explain not using, um, which is just such a strange um, thing That's when you strange. think about it. She gives an example of um, these girls who are walking down the streets of Vegas, you know, drinking from their yardstick margaritas and they're all, you know, wasted, but they're young and they're cute and they're just having a good time. And they're walking by some older homeless um, folks just sitting there on the ground and just kind of the irony of it, because the girls kind of looked, you know, embarrassed, awkward, like, um, like these, you know, these, these, guys sitting over here and she just kind of identified how um, the guys who were sitting over there, who she identified as alcoholics in the book. And I don't know how she knew that, but um, how all they were was just a subset of those girls drinking probably 15 or 20 years down the road. I mean, there wasn't, maybe there wasn't so much different between those two groups of people. Um, but that group is the one that gets shamed and the young vivacious group who's binge drinking on the Vegas strip, um, is nothing to side eye, you know? Yeah. Just a different way to look at it. Um, but it is, it is a strange, strange world to navigate when you do decide to quit drinking, um, because you do kind of get side eye glances. Like people don't necessarily support you going alcohol free. If anything, it's like, Oh, Oh really? Why'd you decide to quit? Whereas if I had decided to quit smoking, people would be like, that's great. You You know, like, okay, cool. I don't think anyone's ever said that's great. When I tell them I quit drinking. Yeah. And like, how disappointing though, you know, or like, you just wish the people were more supportive of like rallying around each other, no matter what kind of, lifestyle changes you need to make for, you know, your well-being and your health. Yeah. It's interesting that it's the, the response is more quizzical and less supportive. Um, and I think what would be interesting is kind of get to, you know, the, the meat of that. Like, why is that? Why, um, as a society, do we question, um, people who choose to abstain from drinking, um, what are, what is, what are people afraid of? What, or why do they feel threatened by that? Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> I think that sure. we're afraid to be vulnerable. You know, I think that we're afraid to show our true selves. I think that we numb in a lot of ways. You know, I don't think yeah. that we like things to be hard. I don't think, I don't know. I think, um, you know, there's probably so many reasons why we've gotten to this level, but I think as women and especially moms, 
we are kind of in a very strange point of time um, where I feel like we're expected to lean in. We're expected to be hardworking moms um, who go back to work, who kick butt in the workplace. Um, But then we are still expected to go home and cook dinner and do the dishes and be in charge of the family calendar. And there's a lot of the mental workload or the mental load for moms that does not get addressed that kind of leads us to feeling the need to just shut our brain down for a couple minutes. Um, I think it's as simple as that. Sometimes for me, it was like, I am so overworked. I'm so drained. I just need an outlet to decompress. And um, I, if you can do that with a glass of wine, that is fantastic. But for me, it was a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, you're not like the present mom in the morning that you want to be. Not at all. And then I always had these horrible fears. Like what if I get plaster drunk and go to bed and my kids need to go to the ER in the middle of the night? Like what would that even look like? What if there was a fire and like I was not clear headed and I, I think you kind of wake up or yeah. Yeah. So many, what if things like would cross my head that I was like, what exactly am I waiting for before I decide that this is not the right lifestyle choice for me? I think it's remarkable that like you kind of came to the, those places without anything bad happening and that you had like that self-awareness though, because I don't really know how common that is. I don't know. Um, Although the more I speak up about it, the more people do say, I'm just like you, you know, I didn't didn't hit rock bottom. I just knew I needed to change. Um, So I think people catch it at different um, points in their life. Um, And the more awareness we bring to, you know, I think everybody knows that drinking a bottle of wine a night is not a healthy choice. But um, if we bring attention to here's what life might look like if you abstain from that bottle of wine uh, and show that, you know, your life not only goes on, but it is um, joyful. It's more joyful. It's more present. It's safer. It's more healthy. um, It's, it's happier in general because you are not drinking a depressant um, each night. Um, then I think we can maybe change the awareness and make it less of a scary idea or concept. Have you ever had like, I guess like a situation where you see somebody else who was is going down kind of the same path you were going down where you intervene and say, Hey, maybe, and you know, try and share your story with those kind of people or are you on um, that mindset, like live and let live? Yeah, I don't think me, I, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I was like, I need to direct you to my writing <laughs> or I need to have a conversation with you. Um, that's really not, I don't, that's I, not, I don't think that's something I'd be very good at. <laughs> I think people, at least I don't people really I know, receptive people are though. Yeah. People I know, they know that I write about this topic a lot and whether they choose to read it or not, I think um, that falls in their court. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I have people in my life who I know drink very heavily. Um, uh, I've got family members that I know that drink heavily, but at the end of the day, this is going to be their choice. You know, nothing I'm going to say or do is going to alter that. All I can do is bring awareness of my own story. Right. Is it hard for you being around family members that are heavily drinking? Yes, but I try not to, I try to just live and let live. Um, Preaching would probably only make things worse. Right. I agree. I'm kind of of that mindset too. Addiction is hard. It's so hard. Um, So, (laughs) I mean, my dad was a severe alcoholic and yeah. So I saw that firsthand. I knew what that looked like. And I think for a long time, part of the reason why I was like, well, I'm not that is because I saw what his addiction looked like, which was waking up and starting drinking first thing in the morning. And I was like, well, as long as I don't ever live like that, then I know I'm safe. Right. Um, But, you know, he had a stroke at 52 years old that debilitated him for the rest of his life. And um that's not something I want to risk for my life or my family. And I think for me, that was another big factor in my decision to quit. It's like, I, I can make a choice now that will greatly impact my health. um, Or I can continue to do this and basically play Russian roulette. I know. And I, I think you're completely right. I grew up with two parents that both struggle with, alcohol issues. Um, And I do, I think that it does kind of shape the way that you go on and parent. And if it doesn't, maybe it should. (laughs) Right. No. I mean, I think it's, I don't know what my life would look like different if I didn't have that alcoholic father figure um, to learn from. Um, but I do think having that and seeing the immediate or, you know, the severe impact alcohol not only had on him, but our entire family. Um, if I can't learn from that, then shame on me. (laughs) Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. So Celeste, kind of what is some advice you can leave my listeners and followers who are maybe thinking about living a more sober life? Yeah. Um, I, again, I recommend the book, This Naked Mind, because I do feel like um, she speaks about alcohol, alcoholism, the um, heavy alcohol culture we live in, in such a different angle that it's kind of mind opening. And it might give you a different viewpoint of what alcohol is and what it does. Um, so I highly recommend that book. Um, I just found it, and not just if you think you have a drinking problem, even if you just want to change your relationship with alcohol or yeah. if you're super curious, um, and just want to learn more. Um, I think it's just, I just, it was such a game changing book for me because I thought, um, when it comes to uh, heavy drinking or alcoholism, you have, it was either AA or nothing. And I have found that there are very many levels um, and there's very different ways to look at it. And I love that. So for me, I found that very encouraging. So I would tell people to look up that book, to listen to it or to read it. Um, And also Annie Grace does a 30 day alcohol experiment that um, is free. 
Yeah. And you can find it at alcoholexperiment.com. And it's basically where you just take a 30-day break from drinking. And every day she sends you a video that kind of talks about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And she kind of walks you through um, uh, what alcohol does and how it works chemically in our brains. Um, And it's just I think it's a beautiful 30-day experiment that you can um, try on yourself just to see um, if your quality of life would be greatly enhanced by taking a break from drinking. That's a really awesome resource. And I'm probably going to check out that book. (laughs) I feel like even if you hardly drink at all, um, if you know somebody who struggles with it, with alcohol, um, or if you get are frustrated by um, how heavily, um, how heavy alcohol um, is present in our in our society, I feel I feel like it's such a good book to read because she talks about the marketing that goes into um, alcohol companies, and I mean, there's a reason why we tie uh, watching sports with drinking beer. I mean, this is not this wasn't just by chance. I mean, this is billions of dollars spent on advertising over many, many, many years to get us there. And she talks about how wine tasting is so popular right now and um, how it's so sophisticated to, um, to have, you know, wines um, that match uh, the food you're being served. This is all on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't just a coming renaissance where wine is finally getting its day in the sun. This right. was this was heavily driven marketing that uh, worked out beautifully for a few companies <laughs> who were very, <laughs> very happy with the results. Yeah, I'm sure. They're just like basking in that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're high-fiving each other on yeah, their, their yachts. Right <laughs> <laughs> or nice. Um, but I just found it so interesting. Um, I think... Um, in when somebody has a drinking problem, we very much say that person has a drinking problem, which is interesting because if um, somebody becomes a heroin addict, we never say that person has a heroin problem. You know, <laughs> That's it, so true. Yeah. the problem is the heroin. And yeah. Annie describes it that, you know, alcohol is a drug, like yeah. the chemical the way it works chemically is meant to um, hook us, and the the and reason why yeah. is so dangerous is because it hooks us slowly and over time. So we constantly fool ourselves into thinking we are in control, and that's where um, that's where we really get into trouble. It's not an immediate thing. It's not overnight. It's over a long process, and um, that's I why watch that with, like so many people. I know. And that's why, you like know, they, when they, you're they have control and you're watching them, like, and you're just like, no, you, you don't have control. <laughs> and that's, that's why that's when, life. when we're in our twenties, we can get away with drinking a glass of wine and we're like, Ooh, I'm so loopy. And then when yeah. we're in our late thirties, we're like, I just had two glasses of wine and I don't feel anything. Well, that's, that's how alcohol works. I mean, that's a slow tolerance build um, yeah. that, um, that you, you don't feel it. So you keep chasing the buds. And I did that for years. And then you're just missing out on your life. And I say that too. You miss out on a lot of things. I mean, 
ultimately, um, so much of your senses die. Um, they can come back with time, but um, over time, you do lose your sense of taste. You lose um, your ability to manage anxiety. You you lose a lot of things. So it's um, it's nice when you do quit and you do start to um, get some of those senses back um, because you kind of feel like a kid in a candy shop. You can you can feel again. Yeah. And life is supposed to be felt. Yes. Life is supposed to be felt. So Celeste, where can my listeners and followers find you? Okay. So I am on Facebook and Instagram at the ultimate mom challenge. That is my handle, or you can find me uh, on my website at the ultimate mom challenge. Um, and yeah, I'm everywhere. Celeste, thank you again for coming on uh, the podcast with me. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Abby. This is wonderful. I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? Please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. And please be sure to tell your friends. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Mimosas with Moms. And you can email me at the number two, mimosamoms at gmail.com.